Hey everyone, Bob WP here, episode 156. I'm here with my co-host Brad Williams. Brad, who do we have coming on the show? You want to have him ease on in right now? Yeah, why not? We have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Matt Medeiros, joining us today, director of podcast success at Castos, among other things, Matt Report, WP Minute, maybe South Coast FM. It's hard to keep up with all the things you do, Matt. Welcome to Do the Woo. Gentlemen, I am happy to be here doing the woo. All righty. What do you do besides what Brad just listed? I mean, I know you have a few things going on, but give us a little bit more details because I know you don't really do the woo, even though you may do the woo at times. I do the woo. Yeah, you do the woo. (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of wooing, uh, lots of wooing around where I'm at. Uh, Well, I try to survive other than just creating content and podcasts. Uh, I have three lovely little boys that I am a father to, along with my wife, uh, and it's an exciting times in my hi- household having three children under five while trying to create content. But today I'm lucky enough to be in my office, which is about 20 minutes away from my house. <laughs> you still might be able to hear my kids from here, <laughs> but, uh, but hopefully not. And uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, full-time podcasting, creating content and um, doing the woo with you fine chaps. You know, that, that actually brings up an interesting point. That I know for a while, for years even, you would do most of your recordings in your attic, right? You had a converted attic in your house and uh, would do a lot there. But um, clearly, anyone that has young children knows, and especially them when they're home and not at school, if they're too young for school or whatever, it is very hard to get things done when there are young kids in the house. You know, even if the other spouse is watching them, it's still, if they know you're there, it's very hard, especially the younger kids that don't quite understand, right? So, is that, I'm curious, is that, why you got an office space? Is there some other reason or was it just a... That was reason number one. Reason number two is because it's in an attic with very little insulation on the, the ceiling of the attic because it's quite literally the roof. It gets really hot. <laughs> and uh, while I have an air conditioner, uh, it literally gets to over 100 degrees in the summertime when it's, you know, when it's like 80, 90 degrees outside, it's boiling in that attic and uh, it's hard on the vocal cords to be breathing in hot attic air while trying to record an episode. Uh, So yeah, there's a logistics of having children banging around downstairs, screaming, throwing things in the summertime to now, uh, and being also really, really hot in the summertime. Uh, And, you know, on a more serious note, an office, a dedicated office, I have an office in a co-working space and um, it's just a, a different environment. Like it's just more of a creative space. It's, you know, it's not that big. It's 10 by 10 by 13 feet. And um, it allows me to just have all my equipment up and just more space. And I can just leave everything in place because I'm sure, Bob, as you know, just leaving a camera in place, having everything set up and not dismantling it every time you go to record is a huge benefit and a huge time saver. And that's what this space allows mm-hmm. me to do. Yeah, and I see I see a future podcast, Matic in the Attic. You know, there it is. You know, this is de- only when it's over a hundred. You can only go live when it's over a hundred degrees. Yeah. And we just watch Matt Matt peeling off clothes every ten minutes <laughs> throughout the show. Find me on Twitch. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder, given the year we've had last year, where by and large everybody was at home for a long period of time, many people are still working from home and are not quite back at the office. Some people have started to go back. Some it seems like by and large most people have not. 
Um, you know, it makes me wonder if that idea of like you're at a co-working space, you said, right? You have an office at a co-working space or a shared space where you can get your, your office in, but you don't have to rent out a full-blown, you know, place for yourself. Um, I wonder if we're going to start seeing more of that where it's, you know, if offices are going full virtual permanently or even a hybrid model, um, if we're going to see more people that still need to get that professional space outside of their house to actually be firing on all cylinders, if you will, to be fully productive. Yeah. We're not, maybe not. Well, Brad, you know where, where I live, it's, it's an hour South of Boston. So the, it's not a huge, uh, hugely dense or a, a densely populated area compared, of course, compared to Boston, but these spaces and co-working spaces filled up instantly. Like as soon as Massachusetts opened up the restrictions a bit with, with COVID, I mean, these office offices were gone in like a couple weeks there, it, you know, it was fast and furious to try to get office space. And that's what a lot of people that I know coming into this co-working space. And there's another one that's sort of down the street. Um, yeah. People are now got that optionality to work from home and co-working space allows them sort of the best of both worlds. Yeah. I think that, you know, not to go too far off topic, but the, the co-working idea, while it felt like it was maybe teetering before the pandemic in terms of whether, you know, at the larger scale we work and all the trouble they had, um, you know, but it, it felt like maybe it was teetering. I know the local, you know, the local ones are, are probably always going to do well with this kind of larger rollout of a larger company dedicated to it. There'd been a couple that had closed up in New York City that I had friends that participated with that weren't able to go anymore. But that was pre-pandemic. I felt I feel like now it's revitalized in a sense of, yeah, that's a very, you know, very good option for people um, if they are not ultimately going to end up back in an office, but they still need that quiet space to actually get work done. Right. So I think we might see a resurgence in co-working, um, spots all over. Yeah. It'd be interesting because a lot of them, I think were really, you know, kind of suffering during that time and whether they were able to hang on and stuff. Cause I know some that are in Seattle, but, um, yeah, that's an interesting point because I think a lot of people will like to have that second option that you can go between your house and your office as needed versus, you know, going back to an office full time. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. Alrighty. Let's talk podcasting. We're doing that just because we have Matt on and, you know, Matt's life is podcasting. Well, not his entire life, but a good chunk of it. 98% of it, really. <laughs> 98%. Okay. That's, um, we'll break down that 2% later. So our audience are builders, you know, people that do products and people that run agencies, where do you find the value? I mean, you know, anybody thinking I'm going to start a podcast, you know, or I'm thinking of starting one, they're thinking of resources, time, you know, do I have anything worth talking about? In those two particular areas, just kind of a general idea of where the value really lies for someone building products or somebody running an agency and doing a podcast. Uh, there's there's a lot that podcasting intersects with when you're building a product or running a, a service business. There's a, obvious things that everyone says. So you have to do content. You need to draw eyeballs to your brand, SEO, et cetera. A lot of sort of really well-known content creators are always talking about how you should be thinking like a media agency with a lot of this stuff. And, and a lot of that is like this grand vision, but a lot of it defaults to either I'm either going to do YouTube or I'm going to do podcasting, or I'll just hit this like perfect stride of uh, streaming audio and video at the same time. But then a lot of organizations are looking for 
uh, community. Like, how do we build community around our product? Uh, more so on the product side than maybe on the services side. But how do we build this audience or this community for folks to take action, give us feedback about products and how we're doing and how do we get them hyped up to spread the word and make them become our like super fans or our own cheerleaders for our products and services. And these areas, content, community, uh, awareness, podcasting is a great place to set that foundation because audio is generally much easier to create to produce and to invest in than maybe video. Video is like the holy grail to to go after. Um, but there's just a lot of production. It's a different format. It's a different medium. Podcasting, you get a $99 microphone, most or anywhere around that range, and you're pretty good to go uh, with creating decent uh, audio quality. Uh, and then drumming up uh, community comes right alongside of that, right? Where you're the great thing about podcasting is you're creating this uh, voice, this message. You're probably leading with some kind of opinion and the audience gravitates towards that. I always tell podcasters that, or new podcasters, that the challenge isn't, you know, a lot of people come to me, they go, how am I going to start a podcast? Nobody's going to listen to it. Eventually people listen. <laughs> Eventually people start tuning in. Brad and I know that really well with one of our throwaway podcasts that we do eventually people start to listen and the, we're calling it and the plant and and really the challenge is what are you going to do when that audience sh shows up so flip that sort of uh you know positive reinforcement a little bit there don't worry about and no one's going to listen people will listen what are you going to do when they show up and for brands product brands especially um you know getting somebody to take action in a community is usually the first step right it's not just know create a community and everything you know build it and they will come kind of thing you still have to create uh action cause and action and a podcast is a great way to do that and then all of that residual benefit is you're creating content you're creating awareness you know it's going into a blog post it's going to somebody's podcast app you might be republishing it to youtube like that's checking all the boxes for content creation along the way so you know you might lead with any one of these three pillars from the start uh you know, strategically creating content or strategically trying to create community or strategically getting your voice and awareness out there. But you'll get these two other benefits along the way, uh, which is really powerful. And I think podcasting is a, a great medium for that. What's your, you know, in terms, like it's never been easier to podcast right now. Like this is the easiest time it's ever been to podcast. You can go to like Anchor FM, literally click record, start talking, click publish, and it can just push out to all the different services, right? So very low uh, bar to entry. Um, you know, when you talk about like, if you line up podcasts, you look at like products, things like that, there's always that around the product space, the idea of like, just ship it, right? Like get version one out the door. Version one is the hardest one to release, right? It's the hardest one you can iterate, right? I'm curious on your thoughts. Like, do you think people need to go in with a really well thought out, highly produced plan on day one, or do you recommend just start, figure out the topic? dive in and kind of tighten it up as you go, but just release version one, like get it out there and iterate. Like what is your kind of guidance, especially to new people in the space? Um, as far as that goes, uh, first of all, anchor, let's throw that, let's throw that company right out of the conversation. You can start a free podcast using seriously, simple podcasting plugin and host it right on WordPress. And then when you're ready to take it to the next level, you call me at castles.com and you host your podcast for as little as $19 a month. What do you do 
when you want to start a podcast. Is that a sponsor plug? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so look, yes, there's, you know, a lot of people love the gear in podcasting, right? Bob and I always sort of going back and forth on, on Twitter about like, what's the cool microphone? What's a cool uh, sort of, you know, audio editing tool, all of these things. A lot of people get caught up in the gear uh, to get started and, because that's like the easy thing. You can fantasize over it. You can read reviews. You can watch YouTube videos. You can set yourself a budget. You can lust after a $700 microphone and be like, oh, someday I'm going to buy that thing. But that's not it. Uh, for most of us, a hundred bucks, USB microphone, pick, pick any one of those that you know <laughs> come in that, in that rate, price range on Amazon and you're generally good to go. Far better than a headset microphone or something like that. And yes, you want to get this thing out there because this is a practice, right? You get better over time and you're only going to get better the more you ship. However, as long as you have, and what you must have is this passion to get better. So it's one thing to just say, yeah, ship it, but you really can't ride that for 50 episodes <laughs> because you'll lose an audience. For example, there's a bunch of marketers that I follow who I really respect on Twitter. And uh, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, these few that I'm thinking of in my head, which I won't say out loud, launch podcasts. And they did the whole ship it thing. Let's just get it out there and see what happens. But they're literally recording using like their laptop microphone in a room that's 20 foot ceilings and it's echoey and they're interviewing other people who are doing the same thing. And it's just, it's fine for the first few episodes if you're trying to get it out there, but the, and the conversation's really good. So you're invested as a listener, but man, you, you have to take it a step up. You have to constantly pursue this higher level of quality. Um, that doesn't mean you spend tens of thousands of dollars. It's that you care a little bit more every episode. You'll hear the echo. You know, you listen to your show, you hear it every day. I do that with my podcast and I try to find new ways to get just a little bit better. Um, because the kiss of death is that you never get better and then competition rolls in and somebody's off listening to uh, a new episode, a new flavor of the month, right? And you lose your audience. So you always want to care a, a little bit more, both uh, in the audio and more importantly, in the content, in the conversation, uh, which always sort of goes under the radar because that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest part about being a creator is the content and being able to do that, especially in a business setting. Yeah. Uh, that's the challenge. I mean, it's fair points. Like I'm sure we've all listened to a podcast where it's a podcast. We know we like it. And then they bring on a guest and they're talking through like, you know, two cups on a string. Right. And you're like, Oh, you try to write it out for a few minutes. And you're like, Nope, can't, I'm not going to do this for an hour <laughs> next episode or whatever you leave. Right. Like, I think the audio quality is is so honestly, I would put that above maybe even what you're talking about because at some point, because you know, if it's it, it just disconnects you, like you said, so much from it. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be like listen to a podcast where someone's in like a busy restaurant, right? That doesn't it's like gives me anxiety thinking about it. So, you know, I a hundred percent agree. Like invest in it. It's okay to kick the tires. The first time I ever did a podcast, I well, quote unquote podcast. It was me and my buddy, and I've been podcasting regularly for over a decade now. This was 13, 14 years ago. Me and my buddy in his garage recorded a local little podcast where we just talked about a couple topics, right? Just picked a couple topics and said, let's just record and see what happens. And and then we listened back to it. 
and that I never, you know, I never released it, but that was the first dabble of doing it was just do it and see how it comes out. Um, and I've learned a lot from that. And I also learned like, I actually, this is exciting to me and this is fun and I want to get better and I want to keep doing it, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, those are great points for, for anyone starting out. Even if you're a business owner and you, and you're listening to this now and you're selling WordPress plugins or add-ons for WooCommerce or whatever, if you're saying, oh God, I'm never going to start a podcast anyway, well, hopefully you're still listening to this. But if you're going to grow your business, one of the best ways you can grow your business is to hop on a podcast. So invest in a mic. Even if you're not going to host your own podcast, buy the microphone and have it ready because you're going to do an online conference. You're going to do a podcast interview. You're probably going to do a voiceover explainer video of your, of your product. So just invest the hundred bucks. It's well worth it. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Boo. You know how important reviews are to your client sites, or even your own boo shop. So why not check out the world's leading review platform where over 626,000 websites have been rated and reviewed. Trustpilot integrates with WooCommerce not only to help with getting more reviews and displaying them, but it also gives you the benefit of SEO. Every month, over 4 million reviews on Trustpilot helps potential customers find your clients and helps those customers make better buying decisions. Using Trustpilot with WooCommerce transforms reviews into traffic, sales, and customer loyalty. All you need to do is head over to the WooCommerce Marketplace and get their free extension. When it comes to building Woo sites for your clients, Everyone has their own strengths. If you need help with your clients' conversions and revenue, the team at Modeffect can be a part of your strategy to help your clients avoid the hassle of management and training. Partner up with Modeffect and let them help you keep your clients running smoothly in the long run at modeffect.com. And now let's head back to the show. One of the things I wanted to ask you about on the agency side, and if you think this really matters is if an agency is doing a blog, you know, they have a blog, that's how they're putting content out and they're talking to their potential customers that way. What value does it bring in when they, or if they decided to do a podcast? Because to me, I can read a blog post time and time again. And yeah, I kind of get a feel, but if I'm listening to, this person at this agency talking, you know, week after week or how often they do it, I may grow a little bit of trust because I feel like I'm actually hearing them a little bit more personally. And that may inspire me to move towards them or ask them about a potential job versus just learning about their voice through written content. So I think a lot about packaging um, when you think about Apple or any other great sort of hardware product, uh, and you think about like the packaging that the materials or the product comes in and the materials you get and just like all of that stuff, that presentation, that experience that rolls into packaging. I think about that a lot with podcasting and I think about it certainly a lot with, with agency life, uh, the way that somebody experiences an agency and, and the packaging around that and the Everything is very, very, very important, you know, in, if you're in a hyper-competitive space uh, and you need to, to land jobs. 
when I started my agency, that is literally how I grew it. It's literally how I met Brad. It's literally how I met you, Bob, uh, was through the podcast. So, and, and everyone says that everyone who's like a podcaster or recommending people start a podcast, they talk about sort of building your network out and sort of thought leadership, et cetera, et cetera. It's very true. Um, I like to think of it as the luck surface area where the more stuff you put out, the more people that you meet, podcasting can bring you new opportunities. So if you're an agency, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to always get client work from it, although that's a large part of that luck surface area that you're putting out or that you're affording yourself. But you're you're meeting other people, they're hearing your show, you might get somebody to apply for a job once you start meeting these people. Like you said, Bob, you're building up trust. When I started my agency, I nobody knew me. Um, but I knew in order to compete in the WordPress world where it was so heavily uh, influenced by uh, relationships, especially 15 years ago, where people knew each other and business was just going to people that they knew because that's how WordPress worked at the time, uh, WordPress projects anyway. And I said, how, how am I going to meet these people? How am I, how am I going to sort of bust in the room and, and get noticed? And that was with the podcast. And after 30 or 40 episodes, I don't remember the exact number, um, and the iTunes reviews started rolling in, I started to leverage that content as a sales tool so that when customers were starting to find us organically knocking on the door and they said, hey, I, I, you know, I've never heard of you. How do you compete against web dev studios, for, exa for example? I could say, look, we don't have the portfolio that web dev, dev has of clients. But what I can point you to is the social proof of a podcast, the reviews on iTunes, and all of these episodes that I've done about, let's say, customer experience, how we sell websites, how we support websites. And you can literally hear how I do, how the sausage is made in this episode. And if you don't like it, we probably shouldn't do business. But by the way, it's the highest rated podcast about WordPress on iTunes. Yours truly. Matt, <laughs> you know, and then use that as, as, a, as a sales tool. And look, you, you have to do something like if you're in the service space and you don't have the portfolio yet, or you're just looking for that edge in, in sales, it's another thing to point to. Uh, and that's how I see it play out in agency life. It definitely speaks to like thought leadership too, right? Like we have a very active blog, um, we have for years and it's a big part of our, you know, marketing um, strategy is to have good content. And a lot of our content comes directly from our developers. And they're writing about maybe a new technology they're using or how they solved a particular challenge. Most likely, that's not speaking to our clients. Most likely, that's speaking to the developers in the industry that we're, you know, we're putting some thought out there. We're putting, you know, some ways we solve problems out there. Um, but it, it does position us to be, you know, we're thought leadership within the community and within the industry. We're not just out there talking about, look at all these sites we launched. We're like, Oh, look at this cool new technology we're using or, Oh, this is how we solve this kind of unique, a complex problem. Um, that to your point, Matt, we can use as good content when we're talking to new leads and, and, uh, people come in and say, okay, well, why are you better than, than Matt? <laughs> well, well, let me tell you, we may not have a podcast, but, you know, we have considered that podcast for that very reason too. You know, so I, I do I do agree. I know a few agencies that have regular podcasts and they've been doing it for years, and it's clearly a, a good strategy for them. Or I got to believe they wouldn't continue to do it for that long. Yeah, that's interesting because I've often thought on that side of things that just that hearing that voice and and getting that little bit 
closer personal relationship with that person, whether, like you said, Matt, whether and Brad, it's a partner, it's just getting information out to um, other developers, other agencies, or, you know, a potential client that it's so such a huge piece that could really, really buff things up. So, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I actually just talking through this, I, that had occurred to me. Now, let's go on the flip side of things, because, Matt, you know, you and I get all these emails from people that, you know, I, I'll tell you uh, how many emails. I don't think people even know what WooCommerce is and they want to be on the podcast. And I'm not going to give you, you know, have you give etiquette to the whole world. But you did mention uh, somewhere you said, OK, if you're going to be on a podcast, you should have a good mic. Well, that's, you know, have something, spend a hundred bucks. That's worth the worth the investment. How do you recommend these freelancers, builders, agency people to approach podcasters? Um, really, what is, what, what's in your mind as far as what's the best way you want to be on these podcasts? Where do I start? Yeah. So they should critically think about, uh, so I, I'll, let's cheat a little bit. And, and what I'll do is share the same advice that I would share somebody starting a podcast on how to create sort of like a great narrative for the show. And then we repurpose that for the same, for the person who's going to, who wants to be on the show. So when podcasters come to me and they've been running interview shows for a while, the, the you know, they'll say, Hey, look, uh, I, you know, my audience isn't growing. Uh, how do I get, how do I get more listeners? How do I, you know, just grow this podcast? And, and again, there, a lot of them are thinking from the surface, like what's the magic bullet to make my, my chart go up? And first is evaluate the content. It's always about the content. Nobody wants to hear it. You know, nobody wants to, hey, I want to lose weight. Well, how much pizza do you eat a week? I eat a pizza every night. Well, I'll stop eating the pizza. I love pizza. Too bad. Put the pizza away. <laughs> you have to do, you have to evaluate that content. And again, always press yourself. And I'll preface this by saying you don't have to do all of this stuff at once, but you should certainly think about it, improve it over time. Okay. So great storytelling in a podcast, even if it's an interview show, what we want to do is we want to uncover the tension of a conversation. And the tension doesn't always have to be this negative thing, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be, always be a struggle, but where's the tension in somebody's story, right? You're, you're, you set off to slay this dragon that is, you know, stopping you from growing your business, whatever that might be. Uh, or you have learned a, a new skill set. you're hiring people and the business is growing positive direction. But the tension is I've now become a developer who's running a business and I'm becoming a manager and a CEO. And we start to break that, that story down, identify that tension. And then how did you, uh, overcome that tension? Where, where did you, you know, thwart that dragon? You know, how did that happen? What went into that story? Like the hero's journey, like what went into that moment that really saw, allowed you to see the horizon or are we still battling with that tension and we're still trying to figure out, you know, how we're overcome, how we're going to overcome it. But there's a lesson there, uh, for, uh, for the listener right? For the listener who's listening to that particular podcast. And then when you return to the kingdom that you set off to, to thwart the dragon, what kind of riches did they spoil you with when you, when you came back and they found out you, you slayed the dragon? What is the lesson? What's the outcome? What's the takeaway uh, that this audience listener can have? The biggest challenge is people come loaded with too many things, right? So they're like, hey, I, like me, it's, it's human nature. You come in, you're like, I can talk about podcasting, sales, marketing, content, 
raising three kids, you know, crypto, NFTs, like what, what do you want to talk? I can talk about anything. And you come with all this stuff. And then the podcast host, the novice podcast host is, oh, let's talk about everything. And then they open up the show and they say, so Bob, tell us about yourself. <laughs> and then it's five minutes of, or 10 minutes of Bob just telling us about everything. As a podcast host, you need to steer that guest into that one mission critical tension or part of the story you want to focus on. So if you're pitching a podcast guest, uh, podcast host to be a guest, you lead with that one amazing thing that you know can be just super awesome, valuable takeaway for uh, the podcast host to present to their audience. Always know that when you're pitching a, a, a podcast host, they should be putting their audience first and foremost. So never lose sight of that. Don't make it about this awesome new product you have or how your product is going to solve your customers' demands. Uh, find the part, thread in that story that's going to be super valuable to the host. That's, that's sort of how you would kill two birds with one stone with that. And then listen to the podcast host episodes, damn it. <laughs> like, listen to our episodes. At least have the decency to listen to the last episode uh, before you, you pitch and do a little quick background check, check out the about page, look at their pod chaser reviews, look at their iTunes reviews. Really, it only takes 10 minutes to do a full investigation of somebody's podcast and who they talk to and, and where they're going. So spend a little time there. Uh, and third, just, you know, it doesn't have to be forceful, right? It doesn't have to be this wall of text that you send me, you know, or, I'll tell you right now, if it's like, if you open up with, I'm the virtual assistant for so-and-so who's been on Forbes, delete. <laughs> because there's no, there's absolutely zero relationship and rapport that I want, you know, with this person. I mean, if somebody knocked on the door and it was like, hey, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm the assistant to Kevin Hart and he wants to come on your show. Okay. You got my attention. But nine times out of 10, I'm just hitting delete on the virtual assistant that, that reaches out. And especially if it's just this, you know, ambiguous, you know, throwaway pitch, not, not really having it. So think of the story, think of the tension, what awesome thing can we tell, uh, in this conversation, do some background research and don't send me spam. <laughs> <laughs> My criteria is, do they mention WooCommerce in it? If they can at least mention it once, I mean, even fake it, you know, try to be genuine and some of them don't. And I just want to send back and say, now they know how to get through the spam filters, Bob. Just gave them the trick. Yeah. So I did. I, I could just send back and say, define WooCommerce. And then of course they, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't know what I'm talking about, but I, I totally get what you're saying. If I could just touch on the interview thing, I think one thing I've learned over this, you know, well, I shouldn't say learned one thing I've definitely kind of, you know, noticed in, in doing podcasts for so many years and doing interviews with Bob and with Matt and, you know, doing one-on-one -on -one interviews on shows. I mean, doing a good, having a guest on your show and having a good interview is like an art form. It's, it's so like the, the, the ones who do it so well, make it look so easy. You know, you look at like a Howard Stern or a Joe Rogan or even a David Letterman and forget what you think about them or, but they're amazing interviewers, right? They're good at just, the flow of the conversation is the interview and it almost feels completely unforced and they're just generally curious, but they get stuff out of people and they do it in this very non-aggressive way and people just kind of open up. And I've always respected 
you know, those three in the sense of they're good at interviews, right? And I've gone through interviews and it can be a challenge. Like you said, hey, tell us about yourself. <laughs> like, okay. And then they go on for five minutes. That's not that exciting, right? It's more about like, let's dig into it a little bit more and really ask pointed questions. But what advice do you have around that? Because it is anyone that's done it or thinking about doing it will, will quickly realize it is much harder than than the greats make it look like. And you're, you're very good at it too, Matt. You flow. It's more of a conversation versus you holding a piece of paper with Q&A, you know, it's just such an art form that I feel like, you know, it, it can be intimidating and maybe not even as obvious that it is as difficult because so many people are good at it that we're used to hearing. Yeah. So a few things that I've incorporated over, you know, uh, since I started my job at Castos and I'm actually responsible for <laughs> uh, the success of, of podcast shows uh, with our with our customers, start thinking about it a little bit more than just like, hey, I'm going to go out and start a podcast like I do. Um, Number one is like when you're getting guests, I would say, at least for the Matt Report show and even what I do at Audience Podcast at Castos, 98% of the guests that I book are because I'm generally curious of what they're doing. It's There's no strategy. You know, there's a story arc that I think of. Like I think about resiliency, especially over the, the last year and a half, really interested in having those conversations. I look at, you know, I look at that as like the 50,000 foot view. Is there a great story about resiliency and surviving this new world, et cetera, et cetera. But the people that I get on is I see something happen. Literally, I see something happen in Twitter or this Slack channel over here, this conversation that's happening. And I say, yes, I'm, I'm interested to see what the heck they're doing there. And I generally pick somebody that, I, I don't have all the answers to what they're doing in that space. Like I've been in, interviewing a lot of no code people lately because I, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in it. It's very interesting to me. I'm generally curious. And that's actually what like my lack of knowledge of that space is what I hope helps me ask better questions and brings things out uh, from, from the guest. Uh, a strategic thing that you can do uh, is having pre-interviews. So, if I don't know the person, one of the things I do now is I set up a pre-interview first where it's a 10, 15 minute call maximum. And you're not asking all the questions of an interview, but you're getting to know the person. You're giving them the logistics of what, what's going to happen in a podcast, mic check, light check, that kind of thing. And then you that's where I try to find the tension. And I say, hey, look, I really want one, two things maximum. That's really great from your background. Can you tell that for me. And right there, I'm taking notes. I'm actively taking notes during that call. I tell them, you're going to hear me typing because I'm taking notes and I want to find this tension. And they'll go on and they'll give me the background, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll just write out a bunch of stuff. Generally after the show, I'll, I'll find the threads, the common threads where I, I really want the, the story to be. And what that does is it cuts out all the fat from when you first hit record on the actual interview that happens a week, two weeks later. Um, I, you're skipping all the niceties. You're skipping all like, let's build that rapport and that, uh, cautiousness that a lot of people have. Like, what do I say? How do I approach this person? You've already cracked, cracked the egg and you're ready to go. Um, I also use savvy Cal to, as like another strategy point, like I, I use savvy Cal where I'll do three inter I'll, I'll do up to three pre-interviews a week, but one interview a week. And basically when I send somebody the link, they can't, obviously they can't book the interview the same week. They can't book a pre-interview and then do the interview the same, the same week. So a little automation stuff there that really helps uh, with the mental uh, bandwidth. Um, and then you, as a host, what I'm always thinking is 
setting the guideposts, right? You think of somebody listening to the show, you're trekking up a mountain, you want to see the mile markers, you want to know where you're at. It's this constant reinforcement to usher the guest along and also let the audience member know as if they were following you walking up this mountain, like looking at you from this third person perspective, like here's where we're at. You know, I'm, I'm helping this person get up the mountain. We've set the tension. Okay, now lead me down this other path. And you have to be active and aware of that. So you have to be cutting the guest off politely, moving them and getting through that story because that's what's most important. It's that audience member who's watching off to the side and you're constantly reinforcing where we're at in the story. Okay, hey, we heard, you know, Brad used to work for batteries.com and now we're here uh, with Web Dev Studios and we're talking about growing an agency. You know, he crossed his first million in revenue and, you know, here's where we're at next. Like, they'll tell me about like hiring a COO or something like that. And we're just like constantly just pushing that through so the audience uh, knows where we're at. Back to that point about the, the, the you know, the pre-interview, if you will. Uh, that's a really great idea because it's always obvious when you're listening to a podcast when there's friends on it, right? When there's people that know each other beyond just that episode. Like they know each other, whether they're good friends, whether they just, you know, have, have know each other off and on, whatever, there's a rapport that you just pick up on, you know, it's a more smooth conversation. It's, it's no different than three of us right now talking, right? Cause we know each other. We've known each other for years. It's extremely hard to replicate that with someone you just met for the first time, five minutes before you're going live, you know? And so I think to your point, Matt, that's, that's a genius idea to kind of break the ice, get through all the niceties, start to build a rapport off air, basically, so that way, when you do come back and hit that record button, it feels way more natural, way smoother. Maybe it feels like you've been friends for a year, even though you just had a quick conversation with them. I think that's a really smart way to kind of, you know, uh, amp up those interviews, and especially if you're just getting started with people you're interviewing that you don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you find out a lot, you get to kind of uh, build the question list uh, after you, you chat with them. And, you know, sometimes, you know, real inside like baseball stuff for other podcasters is like, how do I, you know, if you, you know, if you get, you don't want a podcast that sounds scripted. Sometimes you can have a great person, you have a great pre-interview, but they're not a really good uh, podcast interview because they either, they the hardest podcast interviews are the ones that don't give you enough content. You ask a question and they're like, yeah, we sold it for $79 when the plugin launched and then we put it on wordpress.org and it was free. <laughs> And you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, and you're trying to we've, push. We've done this, a couple interviews like that. Yeah. You know, you try to push <laughs> yeah. this conversation along. There's a benefit yeah. to having those that pre-interview is right there because oftentimes you'll. What I'll do is if I don't have a good flow, you know, this you might hear this in some of my own interviews where I'll say, okay, in the pre-interview when we chatted, uh, which felt like you know months ago, uh, you know, you talked about how the marketing of your product. Can you can you go deeper on that? And you can kind of push these people along. You don't always have to. Sometimes people feel the need to like be, I don't know, just like really smooth the edges. You don't. Like you can say, I'm looking at my list of questions when we chatted in our pre-interview. And that could be your hard transition into like the next things. It, it doesn't have to be like this sly kind of slick interview all the time. You can literally pull from that if you have to, to make transitions with hard guests. So yeah, the pre-interview does pay off you know, in many different ways. Well, the challenge will be when you actually interview, you know, more kind of known people, you know, Matt, I know you've interviewed like Jason Calacanis, pretty well-known person in the tech industry has been for a long, long time. 
That's a nerve that I would be nervous doing an interview like that. Those are the, typically I would imagine you're not going to get a pre-interview with someone like that, right? You're going to get one shot, one go. Um, but again, someone like that is a professional has done probably thousands of interviews. So, um, he's a very chatty guy. Um, I'm sure that was, that was a nerve. Yeah. That was a nerve wracking, uh, episode because he, his assistant, uh, you know, he tweeted out that he was doing, uh, interviews, podcast interviews for his book angel when it came out like four or five years ago, whenever that was. And, uh, he's like, you know, DM me if you want to, you know, be on, uh, if you want me to be on your show. So I, I DM'd him. I said, I'm going to be on your show, Matt Report, blah, blah, blah. I gave him all the stats, told him what uh, space we, we, I was in. And then his assistant reached out and she asked me a couple other questions via email. And then I waited a couple days. I was like, oh God, they're not, <laughs> they're not going to say yes. And she came back. She's like, yep, he'll be on your show. He's going to be in New York. Uh, I'm going to, uh, he's going to text you on this cell phone number when he's back in the in his hotel room from a conference that he's at and then he texts me and he's like hey man i'm ready to go and i send him the link and i was like that was like kind of nerve-wracking because i had no background and he's like texting me and i had to like send him the text through uh, you know i record on my windows pc and i'm like oh shit he's i gotta send it to him on ios <laughs> i had my laptop out it was pretty nerve-wracking uh to say the least but it was great conversation yeah, actually, a little little fun fact. Jason Calacanis, probably in, in some weird way, is the reason I got into WordPress. So you could even say maybe he's the reason I started Web Dev Studios and I'm still doing it today because I I met him um, and saw him speak at uh, Search Engine Strategies in Chicago. I, I think it was like 2006. And that is when I learned about WordPress and I learned that I need a blog. Everybody had a blog but me. Everybody was on Word, you know. I was like, I need a blog. And that night I set up my, my, the first time I ever downloaded WordPress, I set up a blog and you know, the rest is history. So a little, little fun fact there that he kind of indirectly steered me into WordPress and, you know, started, I got my career. So when I started my podcast, I was heavily influenced, literally copied, uh, Andrew Warner from Mixergy because that was the podcast that I was listening to at the time. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll come to the Mixergy of WordPress, blah, blah, blah. And I literally started copying like how he did intros, how he did this thing. And because he like back then, like when startups were just like everywhere and like the, the money is still crazy money today. But back then you were just like, wow, you can make money starting this technology business. Um, his thing was just asking people about revenue and I was like, I'm going to do the same thing, <laughs> you know, coming into WordPress. Uh, like, you know, people weren't making any money uh, like, sizably uh, at the time. But early on in my podcast career, I remember going, this is the only other time I've been nervous was when I interviewed Brian Clark of Copyblogger because that's, I think he was just like, had tweeted something about doing his first million with, with the blog. And I remember wanting to go into that show asking about a million dollars in revenue and like, how do you cozy up to somebody you just don't know at the time and be like, so tell me how you made your million dollars. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's challenge. It's like, it's, it was challenging. And that's, be, that's a lesson in me forcing content that I wasn't, that I was really just like copying from somebody else. Like I had to say, I'm like, I'm going to do what somebody else is doing because that's never how somebody gets, you know, to, to, to get uniqueness. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had, Brian was one for me too. And Pat Flynn was another one yeah. and I had him yeah, on. Pat. It was, it was, yeah, it was, but, um, anyway, my influence was, um, a guy called Matt Medeiros and he, um, 
I don't know, he kept badgering me to start a podcast. And I, and I did this really crappy one for a year. And I, I don't, you know, um, give Matt credit for a crappy podcast, but I did attempt it for a year. And then I, I finally kind of evolved things, but yeah, he, this, this guy just kept bugging me about it. And it, you know, I was like, either do that or I got to live with this in my entire life. So I, I chose podcasting. Have you had more podcasts or more podcast co-hosts? <laughs> That's a good um, question. Okay, I think the podcasts are still out. I think that outbeats that. I think if the podcast well, that, is just actual different podcasts. <laughs> no, I'm thinking there's. I think I've had about eight, eight, seven or eight or nine of them. So it's 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 running almost neck to neck. So um, we'll see how that evolves here soon. If the pot if the podcast fails, do these co-hosts just disappear somewhere? Like, <laughs> like where'd they go? Yeah. We'll come knocking on your door, Matt. We need we need to co-host. We're itching. Yeah, I mean the the last thing I'll say is like if you're if you're new and kind of getting into it, you know, the great thing about WordPress is it's just a very open and inviting community. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're probably in the WordPress community in some in some fashion. So um, you know, reach out. Everybody's very helpful. Matt, Bob, myself, there's a lot of there's more podcasts now than I think there ever has been around WordPress. Not saying you have to write a you know, your podcast would be WordPress related, but there's a lot of people out that can give you advice. And I always recommend like local meetups and stuff, even though it's not a podcast per se, most meetups are still virtual. So if you have the opportunity to speak, maybe it's a lightning talk, maybe you sit on a small panel, you're doing it virtually. So just imagine the difference between that and recording a podcast. They're not too, they're not too, you know, dissimilar. There's a lot of similarities there and it can start to get the wheels turning. It can start to get you out of your comfort zone, which you pretty, you know, you need to do. You got to push yourself a little bit. Like you said, both of you and my, myself included, I've, I remember interviewing Matt Mullenweg one-on-one well early into when I was doing this. Um, and I was nervous about it. Sometimes you got to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So that can be kind of baby steps to get to that is, is work with your local meet up your local groups in a more comfortable environment or just learning to speak in public in general, that can be helpful. So a lot of amazing resources out there, tools, Matt's doing this full-time for a job. He's, he's there to make sure your podcast is successful. So you should reach out. He'll help you. That's his job. And he'll get you on Castos. <laughs> literally, literally my job. All righty. Well, um, yeah, Matt. So speaking of, where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Castos.com. You can find me as the director of podcaster success. If you look, if you're looking to start your podcast, you can start your 14 day free trial, download the seriously simple podcast plugin from WordPress, start a podcast for free. Don't use the A word. Start with Castos, Castos.com. You can also find me at craftedbymatt.com everything i do is at craftedbymatt.com i think he's answered that question a few times what do you think bob yeah geez that was good that was good <laughs> every question you can think of is on my website just go there <laughs> that's a great great interview i love it all righty well appreciate you taking the time matt to join us thanks for having me gentlemen hey everyone bob wp thanks again for tuning in to today's show I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends looking at pumping up reviews on your client sites. Do check out Trustpilot and their free extension on the WooCommerce marketplace. And for that partner to help you with your clients, WooShop's performance, consider reaching out to modeeffect.com. And of course you can always stay on top of our episodes by subscribing on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, or your own favorite podcast app. So until next time, keep on doing the woo.